Want to become an AI trailblazer in the product world? Pragmatic Institute's newest workshop, AI for Product Professionals, is your ticket to generative AI mastery. In this hands-on training, learn to master ChatGPT and prompt engineering to transform your product strategies, rapidly create content, optimize workflows, and make razor-sharp product decisions fueled by data. Don't just keep up with the AI revolution. Lead it. Seats are limited. Enroll today at pragmaticinstitute.com slash AI workshop. Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris for Pragmatic Institute and your host for this episode. I just had the pleasure of interviewing about a couple of dozen product leaders, right? Talking to them about how they're building and upscaling the product function at their organization. And one of the things that kept coming up was product ops, right? Some had just gotten their first hire. Some were working to get in this budget. Some were like, this is the unicorn that will make it magically work. There was lots of thinking about product ops, but not necessarily a lot of consistency about it. But it's clearly an area, I think, where as an industry and as we grow and mature, that we continue to see a need. So I thought, what would be more fun than to dig into that topic on today's episode? And who, who would be more fun to dig into that topic with than our very own Dan Corbin, who is pragmatic instructor, product management advocate, and just also all around good guy. So welcome, Dan. Great to be here, Rebecca. Always love chatting. And this really is an interesting topic. So my throughout my whole product career, when I start to see product teams struggle and like where there really is challenges, that's where I love to, like I get fascinated. Mm-hmm. I want to d- dive deep. And so product operations, this is probably this and maybe like what is the whole, like how does AI affect me as a product manager? But product operations, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of people thinking like, I need this, but they're not even sure yeah. what it is. Yep. So it is a fascinating topic and I'm excited to dive into it. And yeah, and I think that's 100% right. Like, I know I need this. What does this mean, right? What would a job (laughs) description look like for this person? What does it mean? So let's let's start there. Let's start there and agree, at least for us, on a definition of what we're talking about for product apps. So yeah, it really is one of those things where if you ask 10 people, you're going to get 10 different answers. And a lot of people, what they start with is kind of analogies that they're familiar with. Mm. Well, it's kind of like DevOps for engineers or design operations. And that might be that first step might be your first mistake. Because if you were just to say, well, this is how our design operations is structured. Let's just copy and paste that over into product. It's not going to work because they're different disciplines. They have different needs. They have different challenges. So Let's just say, what is the definition of product operations? Well, it's the discipline of helping product management teams scale up. So it's helping them make sure that they're setting the proper strategy for their product to align with what the company is trying to do. It's helping them to figure out, like, how do I prioritize in a way that's always reflecting what that strategy is? How do I onboard new members? How do I streamline and automate all of the ways that we're working So you're not constantly like just redoing manual tasks. So it's really an efficiency engine and a helping teams automate streamlines and really optimize because 
as you scale, you know, it can, things can really start to get unwieldy. Product operations is all about removing obstacles and helping product people accomplish everything that we teach in our product management classes about being data-driven, really making sure that you're letting the, the market help drive you and that you're following best practices and guidelines. And I would say too, that we talk about efficiency and I think that's an excellent word. The other place, the other sort of, I don't know if it, I don't even know what product of speech it was like, is an adjective. I don't know. Efficiency, but also consistency. I think that's yeah. another real focus of a product ops team as your team of product management gets really big. How do I make them efficient at scale? But also how do I, I bring a level of consistency yes. uh, for them and for the internal stakeholders so they know what to expect. And for this is what product operations, why I like it. Having been in, you know, I've worked at all levels of products, all the way from you know, individual product management, all the way up to product leader. And product operations helps everyone at every stage because, you know, for a product leader, you need to see, like, as you're seeing all of these, like, I went from one company where we started, when I went there, we were like six product teams. Then by the time I left, it was 40. Wow. And being able, from a leadership perspective, to be able to look at all of those teams simultaneously and say, all right, this is how it's, this is the bigger picture. And this is how everyone, all of those teams are working to achieve our strategy. It's really, really hard if you don't have that consistency that you talk about. So this is why I, that consistency and excellence and best guideline or best practices, that approach, it culminates in product operations being a full force multiplier. Mm. It helps Teams scale. So when I say force multiplier, that's really what you're you're aiming for. You're not just saying like, all right, well, here everyone has to operate this way. I think we call it product ops, but I do think sometimes there are other names, right? We we hear some people talk about forming a center of excellence, particularly at large yes. organizations yep. where they have numerous product teams. Or uh, mm -hmm. governance is another area or term that you yes. sometimes hear. And to your point, it's all about that definition so that we can scale, we can be efficient, and we can add some consistency. And another term that I really like that people use is just your product operating model. Mm. So it's really about, this is how we do product here. Yes. This is what we expect from our product managers. And when I was going and I was being recruited to different companies, I would ask about their product operating model. Like, what are the, the, those pillars that you really operate on? How do you collaborate with engineering? And if they couldn't articulate what their product operating model was, then I would like, all right, I'm going in here and I'm just going to be doing cleanup. Yeah. But I'd also get to talk to companies and be like, well, this is how we do products and here's why. And here's what we've learned through the years and what the mistakes we've made and what brought us to this point. Then I knew, I was like, all right, this is a more mature product organization where I'm not going to be distracted on like just cleaning up messes. I'm really going to be being able to make impactful results on the business. Well, I think you said another key thing that product ops is helping you define how you do product at your organization, right? Yeah. It is taking into account the systems, the processes, the priorities, yep. the existing infrastructure in your organization and working mm -hmm. to maximize sort of products impact within that specific space. And I think that's that translation a little bit. Right. I mean, the goals of product, what we do is the same, but there are how that change based on where we are. And this really helps map absolutely. those out. Yep, absolutely. So we talked about what product ops is, but like, let's also like, that's great. That's what it is. But what, like, how can we also help clarify is like, what is it not? Ah, uh, this is, 
this is really important. Now, people think like they'll see like one team that's operating really well. And I've actually had like, so I reported into the, a very large company, the head of product. And she was like, your teams are just on it. They, you're, they're, they're consistent. They have a level of confidence when they're doing their quarterly uh, reviews where they can actually make projections and hit goals. Can you just tell me all the ways that your teams are working and make give all of those templates and just tell everyone to follow those processes? And that's really not, not the, the point of product operations. So it shouldn't just be this very top-down, heavy, bureaucratic approach for product teams. It shouldn't also be like, oh, you know what? Your product manager, you're overwhelmed because you're always having to like update the roadmap or you know answer executive questions or deal with sales. So what we're doing is we're going to have just a peer person who is a product operations person and all of those other distractions, now it's off your table. That product operations person is going to do it for you. In theory, that might sound great. Like, oh, great, I've delegated all that. But all you've done is set up the telephone game. Mm where the product operation person goes to you, then you go back to them, then they go back to that person. And that's not what we're talking about. So you're not dictating how teams necessarily have to work like super specifically. You're creating systems that will allow teams to share their goals, share their progress, tell their team's story across the organization. So there's clarity about what's happening in every different area and how that may impact those cross-functional teams. So you're not dictating, you know, whether a team can talk to users. Instead, you're trying to figure out how can I make sure that I'm helping that team find the right mm. market segments, yep. talk to the right people, set up different interviews, or maybe help them, you know, make sure that they're able to set up the, their experiments if they're doing A-B testing. So we, one of the things that I love, pragmatic is really pairs so well with agile. One of my favorite agile sayings is you want just enough process and not more. Hmm. So that applies to not only everything that we teach at Pragmatic, but with product operations as well. You're setting guidelines. You're setting best practices. You're showing people this is how it should look, but we're not going to prescriptively say you have to do it exactly this way. So that's what product operations isn't. It isn't just, all right, hey, everyone, here's this, you know, 400 different rules that you need to follow to the T. And if you don't get your TPS reports in, we're going to report <laughs> you to, you know, product operation. We're going to put you in product operations jail. I like the idea of product operations jail though. That's fun. My, <laughs> all the red staplers go there. It's good times. Uh, okay. So we talked product ops does and doesn't do, but at, but at like yeah. the high level, but like, what do they do? Yeah. Like, what is their, their days, their weeks look like? What are the activities that they're responsible for? So it's really, I talked about, if you take the work of a product manager, they're focusing on all of the things that they're doing with their products, understanding like the, what needs to be updated. But, you know, there's a lot of operational work that goes in there, collecting, analyzing, reporting on the data, giving uh, updates on, all right, how are we doing towards our goals? What is the outcomes of things that we already released? And did it hit our success metrics? What is our current capacity? What are costs? Being able to show the work that you're doing at the product level, what is the financial impact to the company? Are we seeing an increase in retention as we expected? And like being able to project like, hey, we're seeing a dip in our NPS and we need to be aware that from a business perspective, that might mean that we're heading towards churn if we don't improve that, if we're like, say, in a SaaS business. Yep. So it's really about setting up 
processes and uh, I don't want to say processes. I was just talking about you want to overdo it, but you want to have systems in place so that the analytics and data is collected. It can be analyzed and reported in very quick ways for teams to be able to act on that. So part of that is, is setting up an analytics platform, setting up a business intelligence platform, being able to share those, the information, visualize the information with dashboards and things like that. So it's helping teams understand what their strategy is, create that strategy, implement and deploy that strategy and monitor their results. And then, so it's a lot of it's like training and coaching. So product operations is not a junior role. Hmm. You can't say, hey, you know, you want to get into product. We'll put, we'll just make you put you into product operations. You have to understand the day-to-day challenges of a product manager in order to do product operations well. So the way, let me kind of keep going because there's the structure of product operations. Again, we're not going to try to be too prescriptive, but generally it comes down to three pillars. And I'm using a framing that Melissa Perry used in her book about product operations because I think it's the most succinct and clear way to understand the role of product operations. So the first pillar of that is business and data insights. So this is everything. If you've taken our classes, we talk about this in foundations, in our focus class, in our insights class. So that's from a data and business perspective. But you also need to make sure that you're always operating outside in. And that brings us to the second pillar, which is customer and market insights. Those are everything that we talk about in our foundations, in design class, and in our market class. The third pillar, now that you have business data and customer insights, is processes and procedures and best practices. Helping teams really make sure that they're operating effectively. So that's everything that we teach in our foundation and launch and build classes, in our launch class as well. So maybe we should kind of go through each of those three pillars and just kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Absolutely. Let's start with business and data insights then. All right. So this is where you're being able to use all of the data that's available to the business to help make the right decisions for your product. But also it's to help the leadership understand and connect what you're doing at the product level with what how that's driving the overall business. Because again, we want to ladder up to that overall strategy. So it's collecting all of those business metrics, like a, you know, annual recurring revenue, like what is our churn? What is, you know, all of those things. And then you identify all of the data that's across all of the different organizations and find a place for it where to live. Now, normally this is a third-party analysis tool, Tableau, Looker, Power BI. You want that single source of truth so that this, again, is part of that enablement. Now that we have the data kind of connected into this one place, now we can start to do the analysis to uh, kind of understand what might be the right decisions. So there's a quote from Marty Kagan that I like. It's like the data insights team isn't doing the analysis as a service. You can't say, hey, I go run this, get this data for me, do all this, run this analysis. Rather, what they're doing is they're enabling the product teams to get that data themselves to self-serve and to really raise their data IQ. So it's helping all product people make sure that they're doing evidence-driven decision-making. So being data-informed. That's the whole point of the uh, business and data insights pillar. Ultimately, it helps product managers become better storytellers. Mm. If you can use data to tell your story, that's going to put things in context for marketing, for sales, for leadership, for other product teams. 
But to tell an effective story, you have to have data behind it. I love that that idea of, I mean, I think all of us in product, we love data, right? We always want data. Yep. Sometimes the data feels too difficult or is too difficult to get that we don't look at it enough, right? It becomes a project that we do once a quarter because it's, it's this big thing to go out and do manually. I think this is about... Yeah again, creating the systems and workflows that make that data that you need to be able to access much more accessible, right? So there, yes. and to your point, that means they're going to need to understand the systems, the data, how to use it and what data really matters, right? And can kind of exactly. help yeah. the product team access it and understand which things to look at. It's so easy to be overwhelmed by the data yep. and to be looking at so much that it becomes a, detriment rather than a benefit. And part of what product operations will do is help you set up your product team dashboards and your executive team dashboards. And having done this at companies, I can't tell you how invaluable this is. So at one company, I was overseeing product for all of the data side. Which So the company was split into a SaaS side and a data side. I saw product management over the data side. And I set up product teams and executive dashboards. So the, my boss was the chief operating officer. And a lot of times he was having to go and chase down and call people and ask like, hey, what is the latest on this? But with our teams, he just looked at the dashboards that we had created for him. So it was a way for us to give him the insights that he needed mm -hmm. as a leader to operate the business. So that data visualization is really key. It's a dashboard that's well-formulated, that's well-constructed with the data that your leaders care about. Again, it's going to be able to instantly tell your team's story how you're laddering up to and driving the strategy. You know, what, what is the current status? Like, I never had them to like people call me and say, hey, how many users did we add? And, you know, like what was the, you know, cost of acquisition last month? It was always at the fingertips. So that data insights is, is really important. Now, oftentimes companies have this sort mm -hmm. of function. Yep. It just doesn't necessarily live in product operations. Maybe it's done by engineering. There's probably elements that are being managed by finance. Maybe you have a data analytics team. So I personally think for if you have a lot of product teams and you're really trying to scale that organization, I think it does help to have it under a product operations org. But the key is, you know, as long as your product teams are able to make those data-informed decisions, there's just so much data everywhere and product managers don't have easy access to it. So they need that single source of truth so that they can easily go and be like, great, I need to grab this financial inf information so that I can, you know, update. And I want to kind of build up to something that you were talking about of putting all that data together. I've seen companies where they'll do quarterly business reviews and it's just this massive effort. Mm, yeah, Everyone's scrambling to get their data together, to tell their story, to build out their decks. If you're doing product operations right, it shouldn't be a mad scramble. It shouldn't be this thing where you're working all weekends. You should have that data automated. You should be you know, going and interpreting it, and it shouldn't be a massive push. So just like you're doing continuous discovery, you want to continuously make sure that your information is being updated. Product operations can help that. So that's another sign. If you are at a company where, oh my gosh, we have to report to the, the leadership team, to the board, and it's this mass mad scramble for information, that might be a sign that product operations would, could be beneficial for you. And I do think you made a good point too, that like, we're not saying that product ops has to be a team of data scientists or, or that all the right. analytics, analytics lives there. 
But what they do is if there are these resources and functions elsewhere, they're an important sort of translation layer to make sure yes. that that information and data is available and accessible for the information that the product team needs. Yeah. So it's if you look at the product operations teams, oftentimes it's someone with extensive product experience, probably have a project manager because you're setting up different implementations and really you're, you're building the system so that teams can self-serve. And you probably got some engineering element. Mm. And, there, and a lot of that engineering is going to take and make sure that you get the information from Salesforce. You get the information from whatever your customer support. You know, you think about all of those repositories of data and being able to pull it into that single source of truth, whether it's Looker or something else, and then be able to start setting up uh, helping teams self-serve. Setting up dashboards, you know, when that data is all together, it's not rocket science. They made it very easy. So you can be able to create visualizations that... So one of the things I like to do is in my companies, we would have these large screens throughout. And they were really... We're called information radiators. Like, hey, if you... So one of the things I did is I set up these two screens. So as soon as you walked into our Austin office, they were the first things that you saw. Mm. One was just the overall product you know, metrics and the other was kind of the executive dashboard. So I would love to see like my boss, whether it's the, the CEO, the CEO, when they would come down visit, they would come into the office, they would stop, they would look at the dashboards and then say, oh, hey, great. I just saw that we added, you know, 100,000 users last week. That's really what we mean by being able to kind of, that's the power of product operations from that first pillar perspective, when you're kind of building out the business and data insights. I love that. Now, I have heard this rumor, maybe you can substantiate it, that understanding the market and market data and insights is important. Is that... <laughs> Crazy, but true. Crazy, but it true, is. right? Yes. You know what? And that, that's... Bitters, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we beat that drum yeah. over and over but and over. But it's so true, right? Because it really is. Yeah. It's really what drives success. So this is how product operations can also help with product teams. So. You think about the, doing the interviews with users mm. is the fun part. Setting things up, you know, being able to find the right people, coordinating all of that, gathering the data, like synthesizing it, reporting it out, gathering those into That's really hard. So product operations can kind of give teams the tools that they need to go and conduct market research, whether it's competitive analysis. Maybe it's, you know, it's making sure that you're doing the right types of surveys and you know, effective surveys helping, you know, set up, maybe you want to go do some ethnographic research and do a day in the life and do some observations. So again, it's not about doing the research for the teams. It's about enabling those teams and coaching them on how to do good research and just providing that infrastructure so that they're able to continuously do discovery and testing and validation. And it's very similar to what we talk about with the business data. It helps it go from, we are now doing a research project and we're going to pause other things or we're going to take a left turn and do this project right now yeah. and being able to make it and systematize it so that it's just yep. part of the regular workflow. Right. And that's what we're talking about with process, not heavy processes, but how do I make this part of a continual workflow so that those inputs that are so important are coming in on a regular basis without drowning the team as they're doing yep. a bunch of other things. Yeah. So if teams are doing Say like, you know what, we really need to make sure that we're more aligned with sales. So if you need, if you haven't been doing win-loss analysis, you don't want every time a team needs to do a win-loss analysis that they're starting from scratch, 
you want all of those best practices, you want some templates, you want some guidelines to help them ramp up. So they know, all right, this is the exact information. Here's how to conduct a good, succinct interview. Because after the, uh, the sales process, you know, you want to be respectful of people's time. Yep. So that goes over. And, you know, also maybe like product operations, when it comes to that market insights, they're helping automate where you can see all of the customer reviews. Maybe they're bringing in the important data from your customer support team. So one of the things, if you think about like, sometimes people think, oh, we really got to get customer insights. We got to talk to our customers. Think about all of the departments at your company that are talking to customers all the time. You probably already have significant insights and information from customers. The product teams just don't probably have that access. So there's tools that'll help. And, you know, there's now AI is coming into this. And again, this is a way to automate some of this. So it enables and kind of streamlines this process for teams. So you can connect your sales force, your survey information, maybe take everything from Zendesk, what the tickets that are people, people are submitting. Maybe you're pulling reviews from a, you know, the app store. Maybe you're going to pull in all the information from Dovetail where you're going out and interviewing people. And you put that all in one tool and then AI is able to surface up the insights. So Craftful is, with a K, is one company that I think does this. There's a lot of companies out there, but I point out Craftful because their motto is, you can talk to millions of users at once. And that's what Mm, I really like. That's It's harnessing all everyone who's talking. So, you know, People are, you can, you're recording Zoom information, you're recording calls. All of that can be dumped into one tool and then AI can help you surface up insights. So again, this is a way, Not we're not doing the research for the product people necessarily. We're really just giving them access to all the research and information that's out there and kind of enabling them to make decisions. Well, and I like that too, something like Craftful, because it's not then about adding more things to do. It's allowing you to take better advantage of those conversations that are already occurring and including giving you access to those, but also giving others access to the conversations you have. That's always hard too when we do research. We know a lot when we're done with the research and then we're going to do a really good report out. But that's it's already starting that telephone game, right? Like there's already degrees of, and now you know less than I know. And then you're going to end less. And so the more all of that information that we're already getting is alive in the organization and accessible, then definitely the better. And think about how poorly it reflects on a company when you have all of these different groups from a company reaching out to a customer asking for the time. Like mm-hmm. I just spent, I just talked, just spent an hour talking to this person. Yep. I spent 45 minutes last week and talked to that person. Are you guys talking to each other? You don't want that. You don't want customers to think that of your company at all. No, no. All right. So we talked to the first two pillars and the third pillars, which always, you know, is an important one, even if it doesn't sound quite as sexy, right? Processes and procedures or workflows, right? Yep. Yep. So I'm going to start by describing how this can go wrong. <laughs> uh, and, 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 I, and I say this from experience. So I've always been a big advocate of finding those best practices, helping to coach product managers. So I would go in and, you know, say like, oh, great. You're, it's amazing how you got these, you know, two, three, four teams. Can you go do this over here? And what they'll do is say it's like a principal PM at a company. And, you know, she's really great at leveling up her team. So they're like, can you go do that for this team over there? This product manager could use some of your magic. And so 
what you're doing is you're just, it's still just a manual process. Mm -hmm. You're not systematizing what they're doing. So what you want, rather than having that one principal product manager go from team to team to team to team and spreading her way too thin, is you want to have product operations act as that false force multiplier to say like, hey, do you need help setting up your capacity planning? Because if you're if your team is struggling with release dates, well, let's look at your risk mitigation and your capacity planning and to see like, are you factoring in things that may delay your ability to put the release out on time? So in this kind of goes back to that product operating model and it's really codifying how you're going to translate all of those business and product strategies into how teams actually get the work done. So this usually manifests, it comes through through you giving them templates, giving them guidelines for discovery or road mapping or prioritization. I mentioned capacity planning. It could be even go to market. Uh, now it's not like, like go to market is a good example. Like here, just do this checklist. No. Think about, here are the questions that mm-hmm. you need to ask when going to, to market. Making sure, again, it's aligning to the strategy. So the other thing in this area is we talked about different tools and kind of getting mm-hmm. that single source of truth. Again, there's going to be probably tools that you're going to want to optimize here. So, all right, if we're using Jira, how can we make sure that we're getting the right templates and reports? Like, for example, is each team tracking the percentage of time spent on bugs, tech debt, and features, basically solving new problems. What is their velocity? That's critical information to be able to to say like, all right, based upon how the team has been working and where they've had to allocate their time, what can they get done in the future? As a business, as a leader, as an executive, the most frustrating thing is when I would have different product teams say, oh, we're going to do this. And then come September, like, well, it's going to take us another four months. Like, well, why was that so <laughs> prediction wildly right. off? So these processes and procedures, again, are there to enable teams to do the work effectively and efficiently in a streamlined and automated way so that they, they can get the outcomes that they want and that they are really driving the strategy. Okay, I have a couple of hard questions for you, Dan. Yeah. There is nobody listening right now who's like, I don't want product apps. That sounds terrible, right? <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, this would be amazing. But it's it's not the first hire, right? Generally, so no. so, and it's it's you know not going to be an inexpensive hire, and so you need you know you need to kind of make you need to have the need, which we all have, right? But also have a use like be able to to build the case. So, what are some signs that this is the right time for you guys to to bring in product ops as a function? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you know, I think probably the one example that, that I think is the biggest kind of red flag is when you're doing those quarterly business reviews and it's just a mad scramble. Like one of the, I, I was at a company where the product teams we were going through and we we're looking at their quarterly, you know, business reviews and they were kind of showing us their roadmaps. And I would have one product manager who would have five slides and then I would have another product manager that literally had 50. And there was no consistency in, in how they're presenting or even an understanding of what we as executive leaders needed from their review. So that's oftentimes like a red flag. So as a leadership team, so this is, you know, if you're one of those leaders who are like, I can't see that big picture. I can't see how all of these teams are laddering up to what I'm ultimately accountable for, which is driving the business and hitting. We've identified our challenges. That this is what we need to succeed in the market. I don't know if we're, we're 
working towards that or not. So that's the sign that you need product ops. And you mentioned that and this is not an easy task. Hmm. So you need someone, probably director level of or above, who is going to be able to directly report to whoever oversees operations, whether it's a CPO or a senior VP of product. So oftentimes these uh, product operations, they're VP level or at least like director, senior director. They're going to have an understanding from both the executive perspective and from the team's perspectives and kind of make sure that, that there's that clarity of communications between. So underneath that leader is going to be talented people in project management, product management. And I'm going to probably some sort of technical person because you're going to be working with these third-party tools, everything from Jira to Looker to Power BI. So maybe it's Pendo or uh, Amplitude. So you need someone who's very comfortable going in understanding software, integrating it in a way that is optimized for product teams. So that's all to say, like, these are not junior roles. It is, you know, obviously it's not free to set up a product operations team and to make sure that, hey, if we other teams, because then you start getting into turf wars and stuff. Mm -hmm. Listen, the data, it needs to be accessible for everybody. So that's why I think it's just, it's really critical that you have a senior leader, someone that has, their voice has a weight to it. And like when they speak, people listen because they know, hey, this is the person who's going to help optimize uh, what we're trying to do here. It's interesting because as we were talking about this, you know, it did feel a little bit like we were defining a unicorn, right? Like I need mm-hmm. someone senior who can coach people because they've been product managers. They have to be a people person there. They also have to have really good like peer buy-in ability, right? And like being able to get people along and they should be really good at analytics and, and also understands like, it just starts to feel like, yes, this would be amazing. Yeah. What you just said, and that's interesting is there is a leader, but this is going to be a multiple hire. Do you find that to always be the case where it's like, I'm not going to hire a product ops person because that alone yeah. won't do it. I need to create a product ops team. So either yeah. either they need distinct hires in between them or you need to understand the resources they will take from other groups in order to execute on this vision. Yeah. And this doesn't need to be a huge team. It can be a small team. And you can build it out piecemeal because if you have a leader who is willing to kind of go in and maybe set up that first pillar of making sure that you've got all of the business analytics in a central repository, then you can say, all right, well, now we're going to, I'm going to maybe hire a product person to start setting up and working on that second pillar. And, you know, again, this is going to be someone who might be working and is going to be helping with the design team because there's certain information. There's going to be like, it's like a Venn diagram. There's going to be some overlap. So again, we're not trying to pull and take things away from other teams. We're just trying to clarify what the picture is and making sure that everyone has access to it. So product operations, it doesn't need to be a massive team, but it does need to be a talented team. And if you can't do product operations from the leadership perspective, if you haven't done product management, it's just not going to work. You have to understand those challenges of a Mm. product manager and, you know, what other, you know, cross-functional teams and stakeholders are expecting of that product manager so that you can set up systems that help streamline and help that product manager satisfy all of the different asks of them. I also think, you know, a lot of the people I interviewed were in larger organizations and they were mm-hmm. adding a product ops team into existing multi-processes, right? Like they've grown so far, they know. I did talk to a couple of smaller companies and I also think this is something for those in smaller organizations to realize 
that we often think of product ups comes when they're big and later, because that's how most people are sort of like retrofitting because it's a new role, right? But for smaller organizations, they were talking about, you know, the fourth hire on their product team being a product ops person, which for those of us who have worked on small teams, it makes sense. It's going to be a slightly different role. But if you don't have that person, a not insignificant percent of each PM's time is spent mm-hmm. doing these things, right? Whether like, you know, they're, it, it is happening. So it's either going to be the leader or the PMs are going to do it. So, you know, and I don't think it needs to be just this sort of space of large enterprise companies there for those who are starting new and fresh. Like this is an opportunity to bring that role in earlier and build it in. And then you have less of, and made me think of this too, Dan, because you have less of that turf war, right? Because it's building yeah. in as the processes go along. Yep, absolutely. All right. So there's a lot about product. We've talked about a ton of different things, right? If Mm -hmm. people wanted to find out more, if people were like, this is interesting, either, hey, this is a really interesting idea for me. I would find this a great next step. Or, Mm -hmm. hey, I, this is what we need to bring in. I want to build the case. Where would you send them to kind of keep exploring the idea of product ops? I really think the best recommendation is the product operations book by Melissa Perry and Denise uh, Tillis. The full title is Product Operations, How Successful Companies Build Better Products at Scale. They get into the really the details of how to set up. What are the challenges in each of those three different pillars? And I think it's, it's a worthwhile topic to explore, especially if you've gone through our product management classes at Pragmatic. You recognize, oh, this, I know how I want to operate our product organization, but we need some help in streamlining and automating. And maybe we've reached a scale where we need that separate operations group to enable mm-hmm. these teams in a way so that they continue to you know, focus on the most important things. So the first thing that we talk about in our foundations classes, oftentimes you're spent a lot of times doing firefighting. So how do we make sure that we're enabling teams so they're not being distracted by kind of that manual work that really could and should be automated and streamlined. All right, Dan, you know my next question because you've been a guest on the show before (laughs) and I always like it. Okay, so if you wanted our listeners to do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would it be? Mm -hmm. First, I want a clarity of what like product Mm -hmm, operations mm -hmm. is. And really it's just the discipline of helping product teams scale. So thinking about that and saying like, all right, well, how would that apply to what we're doing here? And ask yourself, do you have those three pillars in place right now? Do you have unfettered access to business data to be able to really kind of give the insights on how your product is having a financial impact or what is the value that you're bringing? And is it in a central repository? If not, might be a sign like, hey, can we start talking about maybe bringing in a product operations function? Do you have processes and best practices? And is your ability to go out and do continuous discovery and validation, you know, is that easy to do? If not, if you find you're spending a lot of your time on the operational side of that, that's the second thing. And then finally, with the third process and procedures, If you see like, you know what, every team is operating differently, man, their roadmap is so different than ours, or the quarterly business report is way different than ours. And, you know, where there's not a consistency, that's probably the third sign. So it's understanding what product operations is, and then understanding, all right, what are the key elements of product operations? Where do we need to improve internally? Excellent. 
Dan, it is always a distinct pleasure to have you on. And I really appreciate your time and your insights. And I, I'm confident I will get you on again. <laughs> Excellent. I look forward to it, Rebecca. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right. And thank you everyone for listening. That does it for today's episode. Don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. Bye.